What, you have a podcast? I can't let you do that, Kyle. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Frame, and today is November 2nd, 2021. So, all the way back in ye old, you know, 2011, there was this meme going around of uh, Obama. And I think he's he's at a, a hurricane site. I think it was after Hurricane Sandy, and he's got a box of donuts or something. <laughs> and it comes with a sign. It's like, you know, uh, pass the stimulus, uh, reverse the 2008 debt crisis. At this point, I think he'd also ended the Iraq war. Uh, you know, Hurricane Sandy was no big deal. You know, are, are you thankful or, you know, you're welcome kind of a deal. And it was a funny meme uh, because Democrats are really bad at taking the win and, you know, uh, celebrating their successes. Uh, I mean, Obama passed health care for millions and didn't receive any kind of reward for that in the polls or in the next election. I mean, 2010 was historically bad for the Democratic Party. And then 2012, there were plenty of people who up until the last minute thought Mitt Romney was going to be our next president. And it's kind of strange that the Democrats are falling into that same pattern right now, where Joe Biden has some victories already on his slate. If you'd have said, okay, in his first year, 70% of adults are going to be vaccinated. The Afghanistan war will come to an end. Uh, and over half of child poverty has been erased. And he did this all within his first 12 months of office. Just about every single policy wonk or pollster on the planet would tell you, oh, <laughs> This person's cruising on a way to a very easy, easy victory, and the Democratic Party should lock up certain swing districts for a generation from now. This is a monumentally historic year as far as accomplishments. And yet, Joe Biden's polls continue to sink. The Democrats are looking still at losing their midterms, and today is election day in America, and there's a particular Virginian who's up for re-election who is sitting in a blue state where Biden won comfortably just a year ago. But today, he is neck and neck with a Republican who is um, Trump-adjacent. He's been you know, walking the tightrope of saying, no, 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 I'm not Trump. And luckily, as pointed out by other people, you know, he didn't have to face a primary. So it wasn't him versus a bunch of crazies. And he emerged as the, the sole winner. That could at least give a lot of people some hope that the Republican Party is not completely lost. That they're smart enough to see the crazy and opt for not crazy and put that person forward. But that's not what happened. Um, I think is Youngkin. Youngkin ran unopposed in a primary. So he didn't have to sell his crazy bona fides. He didn't have to suck up to Trump to win a nomination. 
So this is all smoke and mirrors because he hasn't denounced Trump. He hasn't said Biden won the election. So these are things that in a normal time would be considered, you know, obvious. You know, did so-and-so win the last election? Yes, of course they did. Anybody who thinks otherwise is misinformed. And you could say misinformed as the nice way of saying batshit. So it's it's kind of strange because Terry McAuliffe has, you know, for whatever reason or perhaps not by choice, is strung along with the Democratic dysfunction in the House and Senate. Now, keep in mind, the House and Senate are extremely narrow. They're the narrowest uh, in history, really. Um, the Democrats only have about a five-seat advantage in the House, and in the Senate, they have zero advantage. It's 50-50 tie with the vice president breaking it. And then, of course, you do have to deal with the wonderful filibuster. But I wanted to bring it up because, for some reason, the Democrats keep thinking that policy wins will equal election wins. And that's just not true. It, it hasn't been true for a long time. If that were true, then Obama would not have lost in 2010. You know, the Democrats would have maintained control throughout the decade. And even more recently, Trump got some big policy wins right before his own midterms in 2018. They passed a massive tax cut, which their base was very happy with. The Republican Party loved it. Yet, in 2018, they got curb stomped by AOC and the rest of them. So, policy doesn't matter. People vote emotions. People vote how they feel. And the Democrats still haven't learned that because they see this legislative package trying to get passed right now that they've been terrible on messaging for from day one. But they see that as their, their only way to win in 2010, or excuse me, 2022. They seem to think that, oh, if we pass this, if we, if we give these people what they want, if, if we keep giving them popular things, then, then people will be happy and they won't vote us out. And that's just not true. Uh, passing huge, gigantic uh, stimulus packages like this uh, just never work. And the thing that bugs me the most, and I even thought this with Obamacare way back in the day, was there are lots of things inside these massive bills that people love. I mean, across the board, Republicans supported, like 80% of Republicans support some of the things inside these bills, even Obamacare. Back in the day with Obamacare, it was uh, pre-existing conditions. And everybody loved that. Everybody liked the idea of your insurance not just being able to deny coverage or kick you off coverage because of a pre-existing condition. Because in many cases, pre-existing conditions have nothing to do with personal lifestyle choice, which is, of course, a huge thing this country seems to hold in high regard. If it's something that you caused, we're more than willing to let you just, you know, get run over by the bus. But if it's something that was a genetic mishap you know, roll of the dice, completely not your fault, random, then yeah, sure, we'll cover you, which, okay, whatever. <clears throat> but back in the day, that was a very popular issue, both on the right and the left. Everybody thought that was a fair thing. So what did they do? They took that thing and a few other ideas like it that everybody agreed with, and they crammed it into a 2,000-page bill. 
And that's where everybody lost traction with it. That's where the Democrats lost. And they're doing it again. Right now, there are plenty of things inside this infrastructure bill that a lot of people like on both sides of the political spectrum. And the Democrats are making the exact same mistake they did 10 years ago. And it drives me up the wall because it's, it, to me, it's so easy. Okay, fine. You don't want to pass this bill, Republicans? We're going to do a one-page bill, and this bill is only that one thing that we liked, say the child care tax credit, which everyone supports, everyone likes, put it all by itself on a bill, one page, and pass that fucker through the Senate, and force the Republicans to vote against it. Force Joe Manchin to vote against it. Force Kirsten Cinema to vote against it. Force Mitt Romney to prove that he is the ghoul we all think he is and, and vote against it. And I guarantee you, at a minimum, it will win because people vote emotions, not wins. If they throw, throw that in and somebody like Joe Manchin, Kirsten Cinema, and all the Republicans vote against it, the Democrats won't lose a single vote. In fact, they'll gain votes they will gain them because the choice will be so clear. Hey, we took this very popular thing that everybody likes and we put it on a bill. One page, that was the only thing on it, and these assholes voted it down. And that's something you can sell, it's something you can repeat, it's something you can do, and you could do that every day. I mean, literally, a one-page bill, there would be no argument like Joe Manchin is currently prescribing right now of, we need to slow everything down so I can read every little detail that's actually in this thing. We all know he doesn't read Jack nor shit. He has a staff for that, and they have already read it, and he is just trying to slow down the process. Well, if it's a one-page bill and it only has the one popular thing that everybody likes, and even he on the record has said, I would support... Well, then he's screwed, and he has to vote for it, and so do the Republicans. And if the Republicans try to filibuster it, they'll still look like dickheads, because the whole point of doing this is not really for the win, it's for the emotional punch that it would give the Democratic Party the edge they need in next year's election. If you just set up a whole bunch of one-page bills of shit everyone loves across the spectrum, like the child tax care credit, and you say, hey, assholes, every single day for the next fucking year, we are going to pass one of these things. We're going to just shove it in your face and force you to vote against it, force you to stall it, force you to filibuster it, force you to kill every single thing that everyone likes. You control the narrative. You control the emotional push into the next election. But Chuck Schumer is the Senate Majority Leader and Joe Biden is President of the United States and Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House. They are doing the same thing they've always done. I don't necessarily blame them for it. It's what has always happened and is what has always been done. Um, like I said, I, I'm not going to blame a general for giving you a military answer to a diplomatic question. It's kind of what they do. So when you ask Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, and Joe Biden, what should we do with all these wonderful, popular, you know, policy ideas, package them all up into one gigantic, massive bill is exactly what they're going to say, because that's exactly what they've done for the last 40 fucking years. And this is why the Republicans are going to win, because... Their side of the aisle is pretty energized right now. And yeah, it's bullshit. It's stop the steal, um, you know, Trump won BS. But they don't pass huge, massive packages like this. 
you know, when they pass something, it's, we lowered your taxes. Now, whether or not it's true, whether or not the fine print says that, whether or not the government accountability office agrees with them, doesn't really fucking matter because they can point and say, look, we lowered taxes. And it doesn't matter who they lowered taxes on. They can say they lowered taxes. Democrats always fail on this. They always package everything up into a huge thing. They don't want to do it. And there are reasons for this. One is, like I just said, yeah, this is kind of how they roll. It's what they do. The other thing is it would put all of their members on the spot. You see, while it would put very high-profile members, like it would put the entire Republican Party on their heels, it would also put Senator Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema there, which, granted, I want those two on their heels. I want them to feel some fire. But it would also put the rest of the party on, under it. Nancy Pelosi would actually have to vote for it. Nancy Pelosi would actually have to put the bill on the floor and let it be voted on. And she knows damn well that there are Democrats within the party who are beholden to special interests and would not vote for it. While everybody wants to complain about Manchin and Cinema, they are providing cover. Now, I'm not so sure in Cinema's case. She's kind of Looney Tunes when it comes to these things. She's so inconsistent, it doesn't make sense. Maybe Manchin is too, but at least he's being quieter about it. Um, or at least uh, he's more disciplined with his messaging. But yeah, that is kind of what's going on right now, is you've probably got more than just two Democratic senators, and you probably got more than one or two Democratic House members. You probably got a large enough contingent to sink the whole damn thing right up front. So that's where we are in the Senate. That's where we are currently with that. Um, I have my own little gripe here in the next segment though that I wanted to bring up. So I get my voter pamphlet and I'm reading it and there are a lot of races on there that I think you should actually take into consideration and and if possible if you have the time uh, you know open up that little booklet they give you read through that but don't stop there you know try to find the campaign web pages try to find any news clippings you can find of course from trusted sources not from Breitbart or even Huffington Post, you know, goes a little too far left for me. I, I haven't been on their website in months. Um, but, you know, if it's if it's your local news, especially ABC, NBC, Fox, even, even local Fox News, uh, anything about any of the candidates, just to get an idea of who these people are. Most of us have never heard them speak, which is a little odd and strange. But if you do have time, I, I strongly suggest that you do vote, of course, even for the small things like county commissioner number four, even though I really am not entirely sure what that is, uh, you know, if you have the time and if you if you can find something on them. And, and usually it doesn't take more than a 30-second Google search and you can find something on them so you have an idea. Um, but one thing I absolutely hate up here in Washington are propositions, and I hate it in all states. I hate propositions. I hate referendums. Uh, I hate it all. Uh, Brexit, to me, was king of those moments. Uh, it was absolutely ridiculously stupid. Um, you know, you're taking an extremely complex issue. You're putting it in the hands of voters who don't understand it. Like I said before, either you're a democracy or you're a republic. And if you're a republic, you never give the voters the option. I'm, I'm sorry, that's just the realization of it. I don't see how you can be a direct democracy in the modern era. S situations are just far too complex for the common man to understand. Uh, I'm sorry, we need lawyers in Congress to read all this stuff. And the reason you want lawyers in Congress is so that they can write laws that lawyers will not only understand, but be unable to puncture through. You know, 
if Joe Wise Guy went ahead and wrote a bill, yeah, sure, it'd only be one sentence, and it would make everybody happy because it was short and succinct and complete. But unfortunately for him, there are people like me who split hairs like crazy and see shades of gray in everything. <clears throat> so you do want lawyers there as much as we hate them. You do want them writing the laws as much as we hate that. You do actually even want lobbyists because occasionally... While the lobbying industry has been perverted and dysfunctional for quite some time, or functional, depending on your point of view on that, it does bring attention to certain things. I want the teachers' union to have a lobby. I want police unions to have a lobby. I want them to be able to lobby. I don't think they should be writing laws, and I certainly don't think it should be an entire industry dedicated around the profession of lobbying. But I have no problem with the idea of lobbying by itself. Sometimes they can be very educational to congresspersons who have absolutely no idea what the hell is going on. Um, so it is important to have those there. I know a lot of people don't like the sausage being made and everything else, but this is why you have representatives. Your representatives are supposed to be of sound mind and body, and again, their job is to study these issues and to actually read the bills. You know, we don't have time, I don't even have time, to read a $2,000, or excuse $2,000, 2,000-page, you know, infrastructure bill with all the legalese that comes inside of it. That that would just melt my brain. I, I don't have the time nor patience to go through that and try to understand it. It's too much for me. I just can't. Um... And neither can you, most likely. However, Congress people, again, they are usually lawyers. They have a team of lawyers and staff whose job it is to read it. So they can usually pump out a 2,000-page infrastructure bill. If the entire staff were tasked with it, including the congressperson, they could probably get through it all in a day and be able to do a bullet point presentation of what the pros and cons are of it. You and I just simply cannot do that. Um... So when it comes to referendums, one of my least favorite things, and one thing I vote in favor of every single time, and I saw this, was there were several uh, propositions on the ballot this time up here in Washington State that said, the state legislature, without the approval of the people, voted to increase, and I basically just stop right there because I know what the rest says. It's increase a tax on something they don't think should be taxed, and I hate this implication of, they did it without the consent of the people. Bullshit. Every single person who voted for that tax increase were voted for by the people. That is consent. That is what that means. We consent. We gave those representatives the power to tax us. That is taxation with representation. You can't be more stupid and ridiculous than that. But the way they word it, and there were several of them, I think there were three this time on the ballot, if it opens with that, and it's basically asking me as a citizen, do I agree or disagree? I'm going to agree with it every time. I'll be like, no, I voted for those assholes. Those assholes voted for this. I think the system worked perfectly. Thank you very much. I'm going to go ahead and approve whatever it is they did. If I don't like it, then I will save that vote for when they're on the ballot. Next time, when Sally McFarlane or whoever the hell, and I made that name up, I hope that's not a real person, but anyway... You know, when that person's up for re-election next time, I'm going to go back and I'm going to look at what they voted yay or nay on, and I'm going to do my due diligence and be like, oh, they voted for that shitty tax increase that I didn't care for. They're out. And that's exactly how each and every one of us should do this, because that's how you do it in this democracy. We vote for people to do this, to make the hard decisions 
the average American cannot possibly fathom the amount of work that goes into this. I'll bring up one of my favorite cases. So it was around, I want to say 2010, maybe a little earlier. But anyway, prior to that, in Washington State, if you wanted to buy liquor, you had to go to a state-sanctioned, state-run operation. The state owned all the liquor stores in Washington, and no private seller could sell you liquor at all. Beer was about it, you know, but if you wanted Jim Beam or vodka or straight tequila, you had to go to a state liquor store. I had no problem with this. <laughs> but a lot of people did, especially the owner of Costco, because he must have pumped, I think, about, uh, at the time, $33 million into getting this stupid referendum, this proposition, onto the ballot. And he goes ahead and he gets it pushed onto the ballot, and the first time it fails... The first time he does it, it fails because Washington State was making a pretty decent profit off of this. I mean, all the sales tax was going to them. There was no middleman. Okay, fine. So they, they were making a pretty hefty profit on this. Well, Costco didn't like the idea of Washington State losing out on that profit, and that's basically why the voters rejected it. But we only rejected it by a couple points. So all he did was resubmit it and tweak it. And this time, the second time around, it passed because he increased the liquor tax. Now, this to me is resoundingly stupid because right now you had the state, which is obligated to sell you the product at cost. Okay, they were selling it at cost, plus, of course, liquor tax. Period. There was no middleman. Here was a bill that said, now anybody can sell it, so let's introduce a middleman who's going to add a profit motive to it on top of let's double the liquor tax on top of that. It's monumentally dumb from an economic standpoint because I'm then sitting there going, wait a minute, you're asking everyone to pay a shit ton more for liquor. Granted, there will be more liquor everywhere, and that has proven very true, but you're adding an insane amount of money to this. Like, this is ridiculous. You just created a for-profit business where there was none. And to be fair, companies like Jim Beam and, you know, any other lit hard liquor were against this. They loved Washington State. Washington State didn't negotiate prices with them. Washington State went to Jim Beam and said, how much does it, how much does one cost? They told them, they're like, cool. And then they just bought it. There was no haggling. There was no negotiation. Whereas Costco will go to Jim Beam and say, hey, uh, lower your prices or we won't put it on our fucking shelves which is a practice that both Costco, Walmart, and every massive chain does. They force the supplier to reduce the price of their product, and they can only go so low, or they simply won't carry it. Whereas here in Washington State, again, when the state ran things, hypothetically I go in, they don't have the particular brand or product that I want. They actually had a program where I could go up to the clerk and say, hey, I would like to order this, and they would make sure that it would be on the shelves next time I came in. Try having that done at Costco all by yourself. Just walk up to a clerk and be like, hey, you don't carry this product. I'd like you to add that to your shelves next time. They're not going to do it. They are absolutely not going to do it for your niche, you know, one time a year. You're, you want this particular thing. Okay? But that's what I mean. Propositions. 
Now, here's the thing that I stuck on, and here's the thing. Here's the re- main reason I actually was against it. it. Had nothing to do with adding the middleman, although I thought that was ridiculous. It had nothing to do with my idea at the time that you know should government be involved in liquor. I mean, that was a debate that I was willing to have. I was willing to have that on just a just a straight up debate. But we were in the midst of the 2008 recession, and over 1,100 people here in Washington State had state-paid jobs working at those liquor stores. So if I voted to have liquor everywhere, all of them were out of the job. All of them lost their state job. Who the fuck am I to vote that that person lose their job? That that person now has to go work at Costco? with no benefits. That's a really difficult decision. I had a hard time with it. I ended up voting against it for a myriad of reasons, but that was the primary one. I couldn't in good conscience just, you know, sign away 1,100 people's jobs. That's a tough decision, and I'm sure shit not going to be the one to make it. We are all one bad day away from homelessness around here, and you're asking me to lay someone off? No, thank you. Absolutely not. And that's the kind of decisions that these people make. When they are raising taxes, they know that somebody's going to lose their job out there because of it. It's just a fact of life. It's going to happen. Sometimes legislators do things we don't like because they know more than us. I know it doesn't seem that way, and every now and then you'll get somebody like me on the radio or a podcast saying, oh, those idiots, they're doing it wrong. Sometimes they know more. Now, I can talk about the political game, and I think I know a little bit more about it than they do because I'm not in the bubble. I do think sometimes everybody goes into Congress with good intentions, and they go in there to do things the way they want to. And then, unfortunately, and this is an argument for term limits, even though I am against term limits, but they get trapped in that bubble. It's called the Beltway because if you look at a map of Washington, D.C., there are certain highways that kind of look like a huge loop around the area where all your Congress people live and work. And it's called the Beltway. And it's that Beltway ideology. They live inside of a bubble. They live there. They work there. I mean, think of it this way. Chances are the household you live in, everyone there has more or less the same politics, right? Your wife, your husband, you all think the same way. Um, I find it very hard to believe one of you voted Biden and the other voted Trump this last election. But, you know, chances are you vote eh, more or less the same. And you talk about issues the same. And you bitch about the same things. Well, now imagine taking that conversation to work. Only everyone you talk to is the same way. You know, AOC doesn't go talk to Ted Cruz much. You know, she stays and she talks to uh, Rashida Tlaib and those and Katie Porter and even Nancy Pelosi. And they all more or less agree on things. They may differ on a, a few tiny things, but they all agree. And they live in a bubble. Okay, Republicans aren't going to AOC's door. There are no constituents from her district in New York coming all the way down to D.C. to bitch to her about her support for Biden's infrastructure plan. It's just not happening. The only people who are coming down are fellow Democrats who support him. People don't visit members of the other side of the aisle. So 24-7, these people live inside of a bubble. They live in D.C. They live there. They only see people they want to see. They it, It's like us at our job. Only... Everybody at our job agrees with us, surprisingly. 
So they do get trapped in that bubble, and they do start thinking the same way, and that's where you get that group think that we all are on the same side, and, you know, whatever leader says, we kind of have to go with it, and it takes a lot to break through that iceberg. So I do think that people like myself, you know, we, we do see things on the outside, and we're like, God, why are you guys doing it this way? That's stupid. That's dumb. It's not going to work. But when they're inside that beltway, they think it is. They think that's where all the action is. And, you know, I think it's part of our job as citizens to remind them occasionally, hey, you need to get outside of the bubble and actually look at what's going on right now. Because even though Biden has got a string of wins, he's not. He is not winning right now. And as the president goes, so does the party that is behind him. And I hate that that happens, but that is the way that the system currently works right now. So... I hate referendums. I hate recalls. I hate propositions. Uh, for the love of God, do not let the American people decide things. You know, seriously, get us out of the equation. The, the less we're involved, the better, because we are a stupid, stupid people when we put our brains together. Uh, and the best thing for us is to let the representatives who we choose, and that should be the only thing we do. Choose your representative. Do some research. Pay attention to them. Definitely pay attention to primaries. See who's actually going to be on the ballot. See what they're for. See what they're against. Support journalists that ask the tough questions. Support your candidate when they go to opposing journalists' shows. There were a lot of people who were bitching at Bernie Sanders for going on Fox News. Oh, you're helping Fox's ratings. Well, yeah. And he's also probably facing a hell of a lot tougher questions than he would on MSNBC. And he's probably facing a tougher crowd than he would. That's what you need to do. You need to support your, your congresspeople when they do that. You need to support journalists that ask the tough questions. You need to pay attention to primaries. This is not on them, believe it or not. They are merely reflections of us. They're not geniuses. They're not great thinkers. They would do something in a heartbeat if they really thought everybody wanted it. But because we are dumb people and don't know how to organize, it's the way it is. But anyway, regardless, please vote today. Please approve everything your state-sponsored legislators have already approved. Don't fall into any of the BS. Pay attention. Do your research. And do smart research. Approved sources. Don't go to Breitbart. Don't go to Fox News. Chances are they're not being legit find good faith arguers who will have the debate and have a discussion and it's not all republican versus democrat anyway have a good voting day we'll see you next time before you go i'd like to remind you we can be reached at on twitter under politics underscore from by email at recoveryfrompolitics at gmail.com and on facebook reach out like subscribe and share with your friends if you want to help support the show